Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Lattimore Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Another installment for an amazing episode of Geek Vibes Live is about to be in your ear, you know, transducers, just bouncing off sound, listening to what we have to say about the news from this last week. And, you know, we're, we're happy to provide that type of entertainment, you know, in your life, unless you just laugh at us in a rude way. And then it's like, whatever, man. But, hey, you're listening anyways. Either way, we got a great show for you guys today. I just want to, uh, of course, you know, bring in my wonderful panelists on this show. Nick, how you doing, sir? I am doing terrific, good sir. Um, by the way, uh, fuck, I can't even remember what word you just used, but you just used like a really big word, and I was like, damn, I'm really impressed right now. That was a way to implement that day, and I totally lost it in the time you said it and now, but... Uh, anyone who's listening or, you know, uh, um, is going to listen later on can go back and listen to it and be like, oh, yeah, that's a really nice word. Good job, Dan. Nick, Nick, in a very wonderful way, just basically said, hey, it's really good that you're not that stupid because you have words like transducers, is, is, is what I'm assuming you're <laughs> That's what to. it was. Only, good job, Dave. I'm all, I only know – and just to let you guys know, if you want to know a little bit, transducers are something that bounce sound off everything. So your eardrum, speaker, uh, piece of metal, any of those are transducers. You, know, you learn stuff uh, here on Geek Vibes Live. Also, you get to hang out with the silent assassin himself. Kane, how are you doing today? Tonight, whatever. I'm doing quite well. And in the words of Bruce Willis, yippee Kaye, motherfuckers. Yes! Love it. I I think that Bruce would have gotten shot if he was that like monotone about it. Like, all right, guys, I'm just done here. <laughs> he was too much glass. Too, too much glass in the foot. You know, maybe I have no idea. And yes, Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie. If that's Fuck not yeah, a Christmas movie, then neither is It's movie. a Wonderful Life. So I don't want to hear it. Anyways. But yeah, uh, great episode today. Uh, we're going to talk about everything from last week. I just kind of wanted to let you guys know, uh, since it's you know that time where people are shopping and uh, for Christmas, uh, that we got a couple items uh, from various companies that we're very happy to sponsor us. Uh, right now, if you guys are planning on going to any events, you know, in the near future, it doesn't mean if, if it's opera or theater or, or a concert, maybe a sporting event. And yes, I know that wrestling is a sport from people that are about to yell at me. Or a wrestling events, okay? It uh, doesn't matter. We have an awesome discount code, uh, Geek Vibes, all one word. That's G-E-E-K-V-I-B-E-S. And the code uh, can be used for any of uh, you guys out there, our listeners. Uh, and you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You just download the app, put that code in. Just try it out. They got a lot of great deals. 
I'm using them to go to Monday Night Raw in a couple weeks, and I had some great tickets, very easy process. So just anyways, just thought I'd throw that out there, you know, of course. Uh, let's, let's get to our first uh, topic, our first trailer topic, guys. And it was a little trailer called uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And um, as someone that was a huge kaiju uh, fan when I was younger, I used to be obsessed with them. I would buy books uh, and action figures and collect them. Uh, for some reason, obsessed with all the old Godzilla movies. And uh, they're terrible, uh, most of them. Sorry for anyone that's uh, offended by that statement, but it's true. Uh, but I still watched every single movie um, including ones up into the 80s that they made with Destroyer. Huge fan. This movie, um, I was a little bit nervous about because I thought the last installment was good, but it kind of was boring at parts. But I liked the cast that they uh, you know, incorporated within this, Millie Bobby Brown uh, specifically being one of them. So this trailer had to do a lot. The first trailer they did, I think, was great. And for me personally, this trailer nailed it right out of the park. Nick, how did you uh, like the uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer? Dude, it was pretty awesome. Like, I I, um, thought that, A, it started out on, like, a very personal level with, like, Millie Bobby Brown having, like, this um, uh, this, this kind of close-up shot and everything else, and it, and it quickly expanded into what we all want to see, which is the monsters. I mean, that's why we go see these movies. Um, that was the sole redeeming quality of Kong Skull Island, was Kong beating the shit out of all kinds of monsters. Like, that was... That was what we wanted to see, um, and that part of the movie was actually really good. Um, and, you know, like, I feel like we're going to get this uh, in, in this movie. We're going to get Godzilla squaring off against all of these various creatures. That little last shot uh, where he, um, and I, I'm not super well-versed in, in um the, the the nomenclature of the monsters, uh, their names and everything. Um, but when, when he starts charging, I, I think it was at the, the three-headed uh, thing, which I'm sure Kanan can tell me the name of, um, like at the end of that trailer, um, like through the city, and he's like smashing through buildings and shit, I was just like, okay. Like here comes the Godzilla movie that we've all been waiting for. We want to see Godzilla kick ass and take names and we're going to get it. Also, I just a, a little subtle line that I really liked in the movie um, is when they're, like, talking about essentially, like, releasing um, Godzilla onto the world as their pet. Uh, and then Ken Watanabe is like, um, no, we'd more be his pet. <laughs> like, that, just that little bit of dialogue um, I thought was... was it was very quaint in the trailer. No. Um, I think it'll no, it'll have. I think it'll have more impact. Uh, good good impression, Dave. Um, I think it'll have more impact uh, within the actual context of the movie in that scene. Um, and I, I mean, I think ultimately, like he's right. Like like Godzilla is not our pet. Like we're we're if if anything, it's it's more the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, type of situation, uh, hashtag AVP style. Uh, but, like, nevertheless, I thought it was a super fun trailer. Um, definitely got me hyped for the movie, uh, and I look forward um, to seeing, uh, you know, what they're able to pull off with, like, a fully 
like unhinged Godzilla movie because the last one, it, it, like, it, don't get me wrong, it was a good movie. It was just very subtle, um, and this one does not seem to be um, uh, sort of subscribing to the same uh, uh, blueprint of that, which is smart. Like, it, it, and and in fact, like, it's a good just blueprint in general. Like, for your first one to be kind of subtle and, you know, um, have its nuances and, and its kind of big reveals. And then your sequel should be, um, you know, realistically in this genre, should should be a little more over the top, a little more um, uh, uh, a creature, a quote-unquote creature feature. Um, and, you know, we should we should get to see some more action, and I very much look forward to that. It looks like from what this trailer has given us, the movie is going to deliver that. No, let them fight. Yeah, um, I love that whole entire scene, though, that you were referring to, because they have the guy from the Verizon commercials trying to sell the <laughs> government about trying Godzilla. Like, that wasn't going to fucking yeah. blow up. In the- uh, yeah, um, this really looks amazing, and, like, these are the three biggest characters, I'd say, outside of King Kong within the Godzilla mythos that many that most people would know would be Rodan, the fire pterodactyl, Mothra, um, and uh, King Ghidra. And I'm assuming that – I don't know how they're going to go about it. Rodan and especially Mothra have been friends or helped out Godzilla. They've been – you know, they're not like an evil monster. But it looks like it might be maybe King Ghidra and Rodan versus the other two. And then all of them have to go against him because he's like the most powerful. I love this concept of having the Titans, you know, element. Like I don't, I don't remember that being established in it, but like that these are all like mythical beasts that you know. I, I like all of this. I, I really like the cast. Um, I'm very excited about it. Kanan, are, are you excited more to see this film based on this second trailer? Uh, yes, I'm. I'm, I'm definitely. Well, I've always been excited about it because I really loved uh, the first Godzilla movie. Um, you know, it, it did a really good job of setting up what was to come. And what I really liked about this trailer was that there was emphasis on the Titans more, but this trailer still didn't give really a lot away at all. And in all honesty, and I said this in the chat, I felt like this trailer was a teaser, just like the first one. Um it showed a little bit more footage, but not enough to really spoil anything. Um, uh-huh. It did show um, the Titans uh, more close up, so you could get a better look at them. Um, but it didn't. Uh, it doesn't. You know, like it said in previous installments of Godzilla uh, movies and television shows, uh, he has teamed up with Mothra. Um, this does make it look like it's going to be an all-out war where kind of they're all against Godzilla because they know he's the alpha. Um, I, you know, I probably would expect one or two of them to probably team up with Godzilla in the end. Um, but we all know that, and, and at the end of the trailer, it shows, uh, you know, the two titans, you know, King Ghidra and uh, Godzilla, kind of like running at each other, you know, getting ready to fight. We know it's going to come down to them too. Uh, they've always been the biggest. This is just, I mean, it just looks so good, and I'm so glad that Legendary has come back to Warner Brothers. Um, they definitely have got something uh, cooking in the kitchen with this monster universe. Um, it's just, you know, it, it kind of just dumbfounds me that they can put together such 
these these great movies so far, um, you know, and, and I'm kind of speaking ahead because I haven't seen uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, but we know we're getting Godzilla versus Kong. Um, it's just like how can they put together the, this great monster universe and have so many struggles when it comes to the DC universe um, in a lot of ways. Um, but no, I mean the trailer – it just it hypes you, but like I said, it doesn't spoil anything, and I kind of want that to be how this movie is. I don't want to see any major plot points. Um, like you said about the cast, Dane, it's it's great. Um, Millie Bobby Brown is, you know, she's 13 years old, but she's pretty much going to be, you know, the main star of the movie outside of Godzilla. Uh, we know she's going to be in Godzilla versus Kong. Um, you got a great supporting cast with. Um, uh, Charles Dance from Game of Thrones. You've got Vera Farmiga from the, the Conjuring franchise. Uh, Ken Watanabe's coming back. Um, I mean, just stellar from top to bottom. So I, th- I think it did what it needed to do as far as, you know, getting the hype level up. And uh, when the movie comes out, I think people are going to be um, really surprised, you know, with what they see. Absolutely, and another guy that I don't think gets mentioned enough, really good actor, is Kyle Chandler, who's uh, the father of Millie Bobby Brown's character and uh, also Vera Farmiga. Uh, Just incredible cast. Um, Looks like the story, at least from what the trailers have told us, is going to be really good of how this war happens between the monsters. And hopefully, I mean, in the end, all we really want to see is a bunch of monsters just kicking the shit out of each other. So (laughs) as long as they do that, I'm fine with it. but, yeah, this should be awesome, and I'm just wondering, if they go all out for this movie, how is what are they going to do with Godzilla vs. King Kong? That's the question, I think, uh, you know, because that's going to be a step-up, and they're putting a lot of their heavy hitters in this, so it will be very interesting to see them uh, within the future. Let's move on, guys, to our next uh, bit of news. Um, so now the whole entire war between Netflix and Disney – uh, over the rights of their characters, has uh, taken another turn. I know that uh, Frosty Weintraub from Collider was reporting that it was somewhat more Disney's um, reasoning uh, to have the split happen. And now uh, one of the actresses straight from Daredevil, uh, who played Marcy, uh, Amy Rutberg, uh, she kind of says pretty much the exact opposite. Um, in an interview that she did, uh, she basically said that they were about to start production on season four when they found out the information that it was being like, or well dropped basically from Netflix itself and contracts would not allow basically within there them to portray these exact characters in any other form besides Netflix into 2020. We also know that the characters from the Netflix shows are on lockdown to be used in any format until 2020 as well. So this is probably late 2020 is what it's looking at. Um, So just more stuff that kind of shows that it might be looking like it's more on Daredevil's end, or not on Daredevil, on Netflix's end when it comes to this. Chris, I I have some exact, or Chris, I'm sorry, I'm used to, I guess I'm used to wrestling a lot, or Geeks Alliance hosting. Nick, um, you're not Chris. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to look at some quotes, but in the meantime, hearing about this information, you know, how do you feel about this? Who do you think really is a culprit for this? Is the combination between Disney and Netflix being petty with each other, or is it looking like this is more Netflix kind of putting an FU 
since Disney's making a competitive streaming service against them in their eyes. Well, I don't, I don't think any of us – like, there was a lot of talk, a lot of talk about this being Disney's decision um, and, you know, being that we are – and I, I hesitate to even say, like, in the know – um, we just like, I guess, know a little bit more than your average um, uh, uh, moviegoer or, or TV show watcher or what have you. But like, a lot of the people that I saw like talking about it being Disney were kind of like in in the same like maybe not business, but it's it, like of of the same should have the same information that we know. And they were still saying it was Disney. And I don't think any of us ever really bought into that. Um, the whole notion that Disney had any involvement in this is ridiculous because Netflix owned the rights to do what they wanted to do with those characters. So, like, I, I, none of us ever bought into the notion that it was Disney who came in and said, well, you know, shut this down, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, it was, it was never that. It was obviously Netflix. Now, the, the big question is why? Um, why did Netflix cancel these shows? Um, now they would have you; they would lead you to believe that it was due to ratings. Um, we've discussed that, and and while the ratings for Iron Fist certainly seem worthy of a cancellation, and the ratings of Luke Cage, like it maybe don't don't seem like it deserved to be canceled. You can make an argument that maybe they didn't feel like it was trending in the right way. Um, and maybe you can make a, a very shit argument that Daredevil wasn't trending in the right way either. But like from every bit of information that we've received, it, it does not appear um, that Daredevil was um, having bad ratings. Were its ratings going down? Sure where it's ratings bad, not in any stretch of the imagination. So you compile all this information together, and it basically seems to me that, um, you know, essentially Netflix is being petty. Um, like they – and, you know, I, I guess I should hesitate to use the word petty, um, but they were, they were playing a game um, and, and – Maybe rightfully so, um, but they they didn't want to have characters on their streaming service that you know maybe ported uh, another streaming service, i.e. their competition. Um, and I get that, and, you know that's fine. I just wish they'd be like upfront about it. They're not going to because because that comes off as very petty. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, I really do feel like that is. You know, ultimately, that's the reason that I feel like makes the most sense, and it takes the fewest leaps to get there. Um, and you know, the fact that they have so much good quality content, and the fact that they like when when Daredevil first came out, it was by far one of the most popular shows. They've had a ton of shows come out since then that are, um, if not equally as popular, close or more popular. Um, you know, like Stranger Things, obviously more popular. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think what it all boils down to is, you know, Netflix doesn't want to, um, have Marvel programming on their, um, as part of their content anymore. And, you know, fine. I get it. 
but, you know, it does suck that, you know, they essentially still hold the rights to all these characters until 2020. It makes sense because, you know, as as we knew, um, as it pertained to the character of Daredevil, um, basically the reason, and Fantastic Four for that matter, um, a lot of these, these um, licensing agreements are um, – dependent upon new material being created for these characters uh, in X amount of time. And if it is not, then those rights revert back to uh, Marvel, a.k.a. Disney. So um, it makes sense that they will still have the rights until 2020. It just sucks. Like, it's like, and you know what? We've speculated that we don't think Kevin Feige has any interest in, in delving into these characters as he's got, way too many characters to count that he could, you know, utilize. Um, so I don't necessarily know if it would matter if they did revert back or if, you know, Netflix tried to sell them back to, to um, Disney or any of that. Um, but, it, I mean, it just it's, it's frustrating as a fan of these series that, um, you know, we're, we're essentially not going to get any more of them, um, and it seems to be over you know, sort of petty squabbles uh, between both, um, you know, Feige and uh, Ike Perlmutter, or however you pronounce his last name, and, and you know, that translating over to also Netflix and Disney um, creating their own streaming service. It, it, it just sucks. Yeah, and the thing that, that gets hurt from all this, is a television show. And I, I use an example for what I'm about to explain, like The Mandalorian. Um, Daredevil, ha- or I feel like The Mandalorian has the potential to be like Daredevil in the sense that, yes, it is a Star Wars show, but it's going to just be a great television show by itself. Um, right. Daredevil was still, uh, I would say, this, I, I think they said like the sixth or seventh highest viewed show on their network. Um, its numbers were down, but it was still ridiculously high numbers. You know, right. so... This obviously is a situation of – it seems a pettiness because if we look at – here's the exact quote from uh, Amy um, with her interview. and She said, my contacts at Marvel were very surprised. Any of the rumors that it was a Marvel decision are wrong. I think it was purely a Netflix decision. That comes from personal conversations with people high up at Marvel. They were extremely surprised with all this. We had heard rumors we would start production as early – as February of 2019, it's a little unusual to be that far ahead in planning and cancel the show, which makes me think Netflix was laboring over whether or not to cancel it. My guess was it was not an easy decision. And there are very real con- – this is basically about the contracts of their characters being used on any other – like if they wanted to play their characters or their characters specifically be used on another platform – this is what you, her, her response was. Uh, there is very real uh, c- contract with Netflix. I had heard 18 months, uh, maybe it's two years. I suppose it's possible that Marvel could buy them out, but I have not heard so much as a whisper. Kanan, how do you feel about all this? I think this is one of the biggest clusters in television history, and I think that we may never know the real truth. I feel like there's so much pointing of fingers um, between both parties. Um, Honestly, 
unless there was something behind closed doors from Disney uh, Marvel that we don't know about, you know, that they were kind of putting the squeeze on Netflix, um, all indications point that none of these shows are going to – were ever going to go to Disney Plus to begin with because Robert Iger or, has already said that Disney Plus is going to be for family-type shows. Um, so if they did uh, go to any streaming platform other than Netflix, it would probably be Hulu. So I don't think there was any – I don't think there was much of a win for Marvel wanting Netflix to cancel. I think – it was a it was a great relationship at first. Um, I, I've heard that Netflix wanted to downsize how many episodes, and and Disney didn't want to do you know Marvel didn't want to do that. They wanted to kind of keep it the way it was, um, and that's uh, Permalter's department. Uh, so, and I've heard stories about him not being easy to work with at all. Like I've heard him and Feige just do not get along. I mean, I could be misquoting that, but I think that uh, they've had some, some words in the past and that's why they split up. That's why Feige does the movies and stuff now. And Perlmutter just does the, the television. Um, I would love to see the budget that goes into these shows um, as opposed to what the budget would be for say agents of shield or, you know, some of the CW shows. Um, because the the shows on like CW, um, you know, they get renewed with like some of the work, some of the worst ratings ever, and they still get picked up. Um, you know, we're looking at Gotham fixing to end on after five years, and it had decent ratings, uh, even better than some of the CW shows. But it, you know, it wasn't enough for Fox to keep it. So I'm wanting to see where Netflix's justification as far as ratings go compared to other shows, why you would want to, um, you know, you would want to cancel it. Um, it just, you know, maybe they could have went with a different formula, maybe not release all of the episodes at once, maybe stagger them kind of how DC does with their streaming app and see if maybe that helps with um, ratings. Because, uh, you know, if you do release it all at one time, a lot of people uh, binge watch it the first, you know, few days it comes out, and maybe there isn't much repeat viewing. Uh, so maybe if you stagger it, um, the ratings, you, you know, would climb or would have been better. I don't know. It does sound like um, there was some confusion because I know Luke Cage uh, was actually already planned to have another season. They were actually fixing the start, and it, then it was canceled. Daredevil's a shocker, and honestly, it doesn't look good for Punisher and Jessica Jones. I mean, really, without Daredevil, uh, you know, the other two shows probably are going to get their last season, and that that'll be it. Because uh, you know, once you once you chop the head off the snake, I mean, that's pretty much it. And unfortunately, you know, Daredevil's what started it all. This season, you know, I talked to Jawan. He said this season felt like a, a series finale, the way they kind of wrapped a lot of stuff up. It's just a damn shame we're not going to get to see uh, Bullseye come back uh, because they were really – seemed like they were really building to her, towards him being the main villain next uh, season, um, you know, coming back, you know, very comic book accurate. It's just a missed opportunity, and like I said, it's a huge cluster. Well, and two things. One, I feel like at the very least um, – we could have gotten like a defender season two to offer some kind of finale, some, some, 
I, I do agree with Juwan, and I've even said this, um, that I do feel like season three of Daredevil did offer, it, it did send it out on a high note, and it ended well, and yeah, it had the little, the, the you know, um, bullseye um, teaser at the end of it, and definitely left it open to move forward, but I felt like just the, the final scene in the, in the um, before that, um, like ended on a, a good note where the characters were in a good spot and everything else. Um, but like, I just, I just feel like better planning could have been implemented for them to be like, all right, if what they're saying is true and they were, it was due to ratings and they felt like the ratings weren't trending in the way they wanted them to be. Um, I still feel like they could have put a little bit of money into having, you know, maybe, like I said, just, just having a, a, a defenders that ties everything together or, you know, doing a shortened third season of Luke Cage and Iron Fist um, that kind of leads into a season two of Defenders. Something to offer it a bookend so that, like, w- when you go back and watch it, which this, you know, they've said that, you know, these shows are going to be on our, our um, streaming service indefinitely, um, so you can still go back and watch them. Well, like, what am I watching towards now? I'm not watching towards any sort of conclusion. I'm just watching to, like, end on seven different fucking cliffhangers now. Um, and, like, who wants that? Like, nobody. So, you know, and, and like I said, I have two thoughts. My second thought, just really quickly, is if they have $100 million to keep friends on there for a year because... So many fucking people love Friends, which, you know, Friends is fine. It, it's a it's a, a decent sitcom. Um, it, it's a good sitcom. It's better than a decent sitcom. It's a good sitcom. Although Ross is super fucking annoying. But, like, uh, it, it's fine. Um, but if you have $100 million to renew, like, that, you can't tell me that you don't have the money to, to put forth the t- towards the budget uh, for these shows, like that, that, that ideology or that, um, that train of thought, if you will, doesn't stack up. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Um, so again, it just leads me all back to, this is just Netflix being petty. They don't want Marvel content on their station, given that Disney is making its own, um, streaming platform with their own Marvel content. That's what it all boils down to to me. Absolutely, and I mean, it's it's like you said, it's like, here, we have the collection still here for you to watch, we're giving you the opportunity, no, you're not you're not giving us opportunity, you're holding the characters hostage, and again, right. so that no one can see them, very similar to what even um, Universal has done with the Hulk and Namor, just every, right. like, little legal thing to go around to be able to extend and keep those characters with them, just so... Marvel can't use them because they went with Disney and got bought out, basically. Like, that's even their fault. It's uh, it's it's really unfortunate because, like I said, Daredevil was a, an extremely well-done television show just by itself. Yeah. And all I'm wondering now, the question before we move on is, you know, the whole if thing. If in a couple years, say 2021, um, they do decide to reestablish these characters. Maybe they do a Defenders show, um, I don't know. Maybe they try a Daredevil movie. Um, what, it, absence makes the heart grow stronger and fonder. Fonder. But yeah. Shut up. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> but you look at you look at past shows that like Arrested Development, Longmire, Community, Supergirl. They were all stopped, and they got an extension on a different type of platform or network. So. Are people going to care as much if they go back into a Daredevil-like television show, and especially if they do a movie without the actors playing them? Like, would that even be as appealing? Uh, Nick, what do you think? I mean, I don't think it would be as appealing, no. I mean, I think it would be something that I would watch, um, especially if, say, they were able to um, tie in Daredevil with uh, Spider-Man somehow and have like that sort of connection be made. Um, that would just be like a super cool Easter egg. Like, you know, like they do, um, the Netflix shows were great at like having like these one episodes where characters would show up. I think the best example of that is like Luke Cage season two. Um, you know, you had like a whole episode with Danny Rand in it. Um, and I think there were maybe like, they, maybe he was involved with like, he showed up at the end of an episode and then was involved with like a whole episode and then he was maybe at the beginning of another episode. Like but he, he had like one episode where he was like a big part of it. And it was like him and Luke Cage teaming up. Like that's the kind of thing that you could pull off if you're Disney and you could rope in Sony. Um but like no, I mean I I I would still be so much more hyped if, if they brought back Charlie Cox and like kept the storyline that they have going and and just built off of it. Vincent I don't expect D'Onofrio. right, yeah, like fucking terrific. Um, and and so many of those actors. I mean, Coulter is terrific as Luke Cage. Um, Kristen Ritter is great as Jessica Jones. Uh, you know, I I think I I John Bernthal is magnificent as the Punisher. Um, I I think um uh. Shit, I heard his, his name escapes me, but the guy who plays Danny Rand, um, who was also on Game of Thrones, um, he's okay. Um, he, he's not great, um, but I, I think he got a lot better in season two. Um, kind of, and 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 he was, and I want to also say he was he was great on season two of Luke Cage. Like that version of Danny Rand was perfect, um, and that's what kind of got me like, got my hype back up for season two of Iron Fist, which I'm glad because when I watched it, I actually enjoyed it. Um, uh, but, yeah, um, it, it's it's going to not – it's not going to mean as much if it's not those same actors picking up where they left off. But, you know, I mean, we're all – we're all fry in the meme uh, when it comes to Disney – like we're we're all gonna like buy in and watch it regardless of whether it connects or doesn't connect. Um, so, you know, here's our money, Disney. Doesn't matter, and they know it. <laughs> I I mean that's very true. It definitely is, and uh, you know, it's just it with even Iron Fist. Um, the thing that makes me think that what would be a possibility about Finn Jones not coming back to play the character. Is Shane Chi the movie's coming out? You know that's in development. Who knows exactly when? But that's a huge character. I don't know if they would actually bring him back to play that character if they go down that route. We also know that right. Moon Knight is someone that apparently they're looking at to develop another character for a movie. You know, another character. And I don't think that's actually been official, but you know, a lot of rumors with with uh, Kevin Feige in that one. 
That's another character right. that we could have seen on Netflix. I'm just wondering, you know, whether they bring like a, a Defenders or Marvel Knights or Heroes for Hire show on Disney Plus after this is all said and done, maybe with the same actors, or they, since they own a good portion of Hulu and it has a lot more uh, capabilities for rated R stuff and they have Runaways on there, they decide to start off the shows. I'm also wondering, and I, I, maybe this is crazy, a couple of years, they're relationship with Sony is going really well and they license those characters, maybe even with those actors in mind, to Sony to develop them and use them within their universe. They're, That's the best possible scenario in my head. It, I don't, it's, it's the least likely, but it would be a great scenario if they're like, we don't have anything for them. Their characters are already involved with Spider-Man. Net, we just got them back from Netflix. Here, you guys are actually, hopefully, you guys are doing a decent job why don't you kind of incorporate these characters and kind of reestablish them? And if you'd like to use the actors, now all that type of legal work is done. Go for it. I'm just saying, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that the best scenario, honestly, is a more PG version on Disney Plus with a combined element, like a Defender show where they kind of do different stories and go back between characters. Marvel Knights, same thing. Or maybe even Hulu. But I'm just saying the possibilities there. Kanan, you've heard all this stuff, kind of your, your, your ending comments. Where do the Defenders, the members of the Defenders, go from here? Yeah, I think I think once they've kind of, you know, waited out their limbo, um, you know, contract-wise on Netflix, uh, I'm not really sure, you know, honestly, that I feel solid that they are, you know, that they would go anywhere. Um, I, I think that after the two years is up, I mean, people will probably want them to come back. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think the character is bigger than the actor. And if they want to continue uh, Daredevil, whether it be in a movie or a, t- a television show, um, then, you know, they could probably pick it up. And if they want to make it a PG-13 type show, um, and really, really incorporated hard into the MCU, then Feige could take over and it could be on Disney Plus, um, or it could, you know, be picked up and put on um, on Hulu. Um, but I just, I just don't see Charlie Cox and them coming back. I think they may feel like Netflix told their stories and they're going to just start over and do something new on Hulu. I mean, that, I mean, that may not be the case. But you know, after two years, I mean, that, that's that's quite a, a bit of time to kind of be on the shelf and then try to pick back up and and, and do what you were doing before. I mean, they're definitely going to move yeah. on and do other things in between that time. Um, it could happen, um, but just based on some of the stuff that's being reported, it doesn't seem like they're going to be coming back. Um, I think Bernthal has even kind of picked up on it, and he said he will not bec- he will not come back as the Punisher unless he can do an R-rated version. Uh, so, you know, you already have Burnthal pretty much saying it's going to be R or nothing, and, you know, Marvel will probably be like, okay, well, we loved having you, but the Punisher is bigger than you are. Uh, we'll just find somebody else who will be willing to do it. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just what happens with these characters. You know, we grow attached to them, we love them, and, you know, shit happens with contracts, and they end up going... Uh, they're separate ways, but um, you know, all we can do is hope that we continue to see him because I still want to see Daredevil. Um, they haven't even really begun to scratch the surface with Punisher, so I definitely would love to see more of him. I know we're getting a season two, 
Um, but those are definitely the the biggest characters um, that we would you know probably want back would be um, Punisher and Daredevil. Honestly, I'm just hoping that like um, like we'll see like Punisher um, season two in January, and there will be so much like rave review and you know backlash to them like canceling Netflix that. You know, they're like, all right, hey, we're actually bringing it back. And maybe it was all like a stunt to, like, drive up views or whatever, you know. Um, but short of that, um, we are not let's, – let's not kid ourselves. Kevin Feige is not going to bring in any of these versions of these characters in the MCU. It's not going to happen. I see the thing is, I mean, I understand why you say that, and I think that you guys are being realistic with the way that you're you're looking at it. But I think Kevin Feige likes to make people happy, and if the characters themselves went straight to him, and he didn't, this was no involvement with Pumutter, the fact that people know John Berthal as a Punisher, the fact that people know Vincent D'Onofrio specifically as Kingpin, I think that he would would play ball uh, if given the opportunity to take out the things he didn't like about the characters, and that would be who controls it, Netflix and Ella Marvel with the television division. So I don't know, but I think that you guys are looking at it the right way uh, as far as let's not get our hopes up because, yeah, they could move to Hulu if they wanted to do that. Yeah, they could try to reform it, but there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, It would be a, a shame, not so much for Charlie Cox. I love Charlie Cox or Finn Jones or Mike Coulter, but mainly I, I would say Vincent D'Onofrio. That would be a huge loss uh, for no reason more so than egos not being able to work together. Then again, this is business. We're talking about it. What I'm just trying to basically yeah. just end it is I think it would be a huge burn on the fans themselves to not get the right version or the right show anymore. Any substitute probably wouldn't do, but um, that kind of brings By the me way, wait, to real, real quick before we move on. Um, I don't know what the contract is with Sony um, and like what, what character Sony has at their disposal. Obviously there's a lot of overlap characters, the Kingpin being one of them. Um, I could, maybe y'all can answer this question. Could Sony use Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin? Um, Or would that be in violation because he is, has been, contracted by Netflix as their version of Kingpin and they would have to use a different actor. Um, that would be my guess. Um, but like if they're not going to use those characters anymore, um, like if the show's been canceled, maybe they would have to wait until 2020. Um, but I, I, I definitely feel like Sony could be the, the sort of the recourse to keep at least some of these actors at Dane, as we've talked about, maybe, um, you know, your desire to maybe not necessarily keep the storylines, but keep some of the X-Men actors um, uh, that you like so much in, in their respective roles um, that we, again, we don't expect to happen via um, Disney, um, but maybe Sony is the avenue to keep somebody like Vincent D'Onofrio around um, by introducing him as Kingpin in a, uh, a, a Spider-Man movie. From what it made it sound like with... Uh with her interview, I think that that's basically it. If they wanted to use him as that character, you would have to wait until Netflix doesn't, well, technically they don't own the theatrical rights, but they own the actors as those characters until about right. late 2020. So it would right. have to be after that. But, 
believe Sony does that that Kingpin is a character that both Marvel and them kind of share the same way Marvel with Fox used to have with Scarlet Witch. So it is interesting right. to think about. I don't know. It's a, it's a very, very weird, iffy situation. But um, any other final thoughts, Kanan, before we move on? Uh, no, nothing else on this. All right. Well, before that, uh, I'd like to hear a word from one of our great sponsors, especially for you know the cold winter days. And with that, I'm going to go to Nick. Nick, tell us about it. Thanks, Zane. Uh, our sponsor is Action Heat. And as you know, winter is upon us, and you know what that means. It's time to dig out those bulky winter clothes that don't quite do the trick. Unless you follow our advice and take a better solution from our sponsor, Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing, engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat similar to a heated car seat. This clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort to your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and undergarments. Guys, it is unbelievably cold outside right now. Um, We've gotten a little bit of, you know... uh, the weather's gotten a little bit better, better, excuse me, as of late. Um, but it is going to take a turn for the worst any time now. January and February are upon us. Those are the coldest months out of the year. Um, and you need to get this product because, trust me, it makes any temperature bearable, not just bearable, but, like, comfortable. And that's what we all want to be. We want to be comfortable no matter what situation we find ourselves in. Action Heat makes that happen. Action Heat is available in men's and women's attire, offers great new styles, and is very reasonably priced, starting at just $39.99. Plus, if you go to actionheat.com, you can enter our code GEEK, that's G-E-E-K, at checkout and get 20% off your order. That is geek, G-E-E-K, at checkout to get 20% off your order at actionheat.com. You can't control the weather, but you can control your environment with Action Heat. Back to you, Dan. Yeah, guys, and for someone that works in a warehouse during the wintertime like I do, I've gotten both the long johns and the socks, and they work incredibly great so good. for they really are just, you know, within the warehouse itself. And then when I have to go and you know, basically take shipments uh, and go through Atlanta in the freezing cold. Yes, we live in Atlanta and it still does get cold. So don't, don't, don't start with us. We know, you know but still <laughs> it is cold. So I'm just saying this really does work. And I wouldn't say that about a product that I don't use. So anyways, let's continue on. Let's move to Sony. We're kind of like, you know, segueing, if you will, with the Sony talk. Well, Sony's chief, uh, Amy Vasquez, uh, she basically made some comments about the relationship with Marvel Studios and Sony and how she hopes that the deal between them stays in place. Here's her exact statement. Um, I think about crying uh, of the potential breakup with us. I can only hope for a future where things work out. I've known uh, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige since he was A.B. Arad's very, very quiet assistant, who for many years sat in the room listening to us and being so much smarter than any of us, 
without any of us even realizing it. I will say that working with Marvel has been one of the highlights of my professional career. That is Amy Pascal. And, um, you know, I'm just going to say it, like, personally myself. The statement itself, it kind of sounds a bit desperate. Um, and <laughs> I will say, you know, this is the company that a couple of years back, let's, let's, let's be real, you know, with their whole email hack and all their, their things, including Spider-Man, all their different properties tanking a bit, um, they were in rough shape. Uh, I definitely think that the Spider-Man deal itself with Disney has helped them out. Um, I think that Venom partially some of the reason why that has done so well, um, because even though I enjoyed the film, it's not the greatest film, um, is the connection somewhat between the Disney, at least that's what people think, the perception from the audience in a lot of ways. And a lot of what they're doing now, Into the Spider-Verse is going to make, I think, over $50 million worldwide after this weekend. I mean, that's pretty damn good. Uh, and, it, and that movie by itself deserves it. I think it's one of the best films I've seen of the year, period. Yeah, it's great. Uh, just a very film. Um, so I, I can see the reason of them wanting this relationship to, to continue. Um, and I think that as, us as fans, we want to see this relationship continue. I want to see extensions. I want to see the ability that even if he doesn't interact with the rest of that universe, I want to see Tom Holland being able to interact with Venom, with Tom Hardy's Venom. I want to see... Possibly now, you know, knowing all the great actors they got for all these different Spider-Man roles, you know, Shamik more with uh, with with Miles, the potential to see a live-action interaction between those characters, establishing establishing this Spider-Verse, establishing more vi- uh, you know villains like Drew Goddard's uh, Sinister Six is apparently still in production right now. Uh, they they still plan on going towards that. You know, the Craven movie, the Morbius movie, there's a lot of, of, of stuff that Sony is benefiting off of Marvel in a good way that I want to continue seeing happen. Uh, Kanan, you hear about all this. You hear her statement. What what do you have to say about, you know, uh, her, her statements about keeping the relationship going between companies? I, I mean, honestly, to me, it sounds like they really come together um, on both sides of the table, whereas a few years ago, you probably would have never uh, seen Sony and Disney even think about sharing um, characters. Um, Sony was very, um, you know, firm grasp as far as Spider-Man went. Um, they weren't really going to let the reins loose on him. Um, and now that Venom has come out and been so successful – and to hear her say they want to continue the relationship with Marvel, I mean, th- that's awesome um, uh, because a lot of people kind of speculated that with Venom doing so well that, um, you know, maybe Sony would be like, hey, we're taking him back for good. You know, we don't we don't need you anymore, um, so to speak. But like I said, it's a win-win for, for both. They can continue to use Spider-Man and, and some of the characters in the – um, you know, depending on which ones they allow them to use in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it just means that we're going to continue to see uh, the MCU characters bleed over um, into the, the Sony-verse, hopefully. Um, and I stand by this. I think they made a huge mistake not putting uh, Tom Holland in the Venom movie. Um, and it could have been a two-minute cameo. It could have been a 15-second cameo. But I think if you put Tom Holland in that movie... 
uh, I think it makes a billion dollars. I really do. I think if it doesn't make a billion, it makes at least a hundred million more than what it's sitting at now, because fans would have ate that stuff up. They would have went nuts seeing Tom Holland in there, um, or even the mention of Spider-Man. You know, it's it's just that world building, and um, I, and and I enjoy this because it you know it it it's benefits Sony. I mean, Sony's talked about going under and selling for so many years, and you know they're benefiting from this, so it's like I said, it's a win-win on both sides. And have they benefited? They definitely have worldwide. Venom so far eight hundred fifty-two million dollars plus, uh, yeah. and in just the like I said, by itself on a hundred million dollar budget, no less. Yeah, exactly. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse just this weekend so far has made fifty-six million dollars. Uh, that's really good. And, dude, and especially with that movie, like like I said, the animation, the fact that they're already clearing having the animated movie, and we'll talk about that specifically by itself, uh, the spinoff on that, and now also a sequel, you know, you have the potential even with this animated concept to bring Tom Holland in this, to bring even Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire back, establishing this multiverse and making such a great job in the animation department outside of the live-action stuff with how much Venom made. But, uh... Going back into it in that same article to even, like, talk about what we were talking about with the Sinister Six, Amy Pascal said, I'm just waiting for Drew to be ready to direct it. I would do anything with Drew Gardard. I'm just waiting for him to tell me what he wants to do. So it doesn't seem like it's so much set in stone. She's putting it out there. But it seems like she wants this relationship to continue. And how are you going to make a Sinister Six movie without – the Sinister Six that you're developing that's a part of the, the uh, Disney MCU. What, what do you have to say about all of this, Nick? Well, uh, there's several things. Um, first of all, the notion that like they've established a multiverse successfully in their first animated movie, very successfully, I should add, um, is super awesome. And yes, you could bring in any amount of characters into this world. Like, how fucking cool would it be to see Tobey Maguire show up and like and and be like essentially voicing his Spider-Man, and and it, it'd just be like, you know, basically um, an extension of the first three Spider-Man movies that we got. It would be so cool. Um, so, like, I, I would love to see that. Um, but, like, furthermore, um, you know, as it, as it pertains to Drew Goddard, um, I, man, I would I, – I'm cautionarily optimistic because – I feel like if they do a Sinister Six movie, it would be cool, but is that going to be in the Sonyverse, or is that going to be in, you know, including the characters that we've already had established? I don't mind them doing Venom. I don't mind them doing Morbius. I I would take Umbridge, start doing characters – that have been established in the um, MCU, um, and they recast his characters and do different characters. Um, I, that would rub me the wrong way. And, and, you know, just to be blunt, because that would mean there's never, there's not going to be any crossover. We have no hope at that at that point. Or at least it, 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 it lessens it to. A, a very big degree. So I, I would 
I, I don't want to see it. I, I like. I don't want to see that. I'd rather them focus on their their kind of solo characters um, and 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 go that route. Um, and as far as Amy's comments, they, they I agree with Kanan. They do seem, and, and to a certain extent, I do agree with you, Dane. They do seem um, almost kind of um, um, somewhat desperate. But at the same time, I I I, I see it more as like. She knows what a good situation they're in right now. And ultimately, where I agree with Kanan the most is we've long speculated about once this deal is up, if Sony is able to establish their own universe, then they would have the cards in their favor and be able to essentially strong arm, try to at least strong arm, uh, Marvel and say we want you to make use of our characters in the MCU um, so we can you know make them more viable properties and if you don't do that we're going to keep Spider-Man and, and not let you use him anymore um, and hopefully that doesn't happen I don't necessarily get um, I'm not going to get too excited about her comments um, because I mean, it, it, it's any politician knows what to say, and 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 Amy is is kind of a politician in the world of movies, um, and she knows what to say. And you know, if if you're going to say anything, you're going to say, well, we very much look forward to um, making this work out, and we're I'm going to praise them for the next thirty seconds, and then when it doesn't work out, you can say, well, go back and look at that comment. Um, like obviously, I wanted to make it work. Um, but it just didn't work out. Um, so, like, I'm not going to get my, my set on everything working out. Um, but it does, if you're being optimistic, it does sound like she wants to keep Spider-Man involved with the MCU. I'm sure she wants to work in various characters from the Sonyverse, at the very least, work in Spider-Man with these very various characters from the Sonyverse. Um, and I don't think, um, like, if you leave creative control to Marvel, but say, hey, in the next three movies, you know, we're going to sign a three-movie deal. In the next three movies, we want you to you incorporate Venom into one of those movies. We don't care how you do it. We just want you to put him in the movie um, and, you know, give it to one of your guys and let him go to work. Like, as long as they approach it like that, it can work out fine. Um, and, like, seeing Tom Hardy and, and, and fucking uh, Tom Holland on the screen together, like, that would be amazing. Just like Kanan said, like, that that would that would sell so many tickets. Um, and, you know, I'm, just, I'm cautiously optimistic, but more optimistic than cautious, uh, that that's what's going to happen. We're going to see a... a, a a filter of some of these Sony established characters work their way into solo Spider-Man movies. I don't think we're ever going to see them necessarily work over to MCU movies, but we're going to see like a renegotiation in which um, essentially Marvel keeps the creative control, but they're asked to incorporate some of the established characters that Sony has established in their own universe. Um, and I honestly, as, as a, Coming from a CEO's perspective, 
I don't think that's too much to ask um, from Amy Pascal. And if that's all she wants, um, I think Kevin Feige uh, can can make that work um, and 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 basically uh, build the direction of Spider-Man's arc around um, her request. As long as she doesn't get too crazy with, you know, what she wants, I think it's very doable. You know, all sides can profit on it, and we as fans are going to all love it. I think all she would really want is, well, maybe I don't know this, but I would assume the main thing Sony, Amy, all of them would want is at least for them to be able to use Tom Holland and connect them kind of similar, like I've said before, of how the Netflix characters were towards the MCU. Let him kind of connect in there, be able to interact, you know, even have like those villains maybe go into his movie, which is shared by Disney. So we can see an interaction with Venom. I don't even know if she would be worried enough to try to like get like a Venom. And I, I think it would be amazing to see Venom show up in Guardians of the Galaxy and obviously establish of how they did Venom, he could very much work out with that, and you get Tom Hardy in your film. Stuff like that, with the potential to be able to do that, but mainly have Tom Holland be able to go and show up, you know, even if it's a voice performance in one of these animated films to flesh out the Spider-Verse, or to be able to show up in a live-action Venom film or a live-action Craven film. I think that those would benefit probably the most out of anything. But, um... We're about to move on to the next part of Sony's uh, news that we found out about the uh, the spinoff for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, do either one of you guys have any other closing thoughts about this, Kanan? Uh, no, I don't have anything else on this. Me, it's so easy about it. It's great. Okay. Well, sounds good, guys. Uh, we also had some information about a spinoff. Uh, well, we kind of knew that they were doing this. They announced that they were planning on doing the spinoff. Now I think that after the money that, you know, within its just first weekend, what Into Spider-Verse has made, we can definitely assume that both the sequel and this uh, will be made within the next year or two, which is awesome. So it's going to be about Spider-Gwen, a.k.a. Ghost Spider, on her world and an interaction with an all-female group. Now, one of my favorite Spider-Women, if you will, uh, and I think that's actually the name of the movie, will be called Spider-Women – uh, is Jessica Drew, uh, mainly because of uh, New Avengers. She was also <laughs> – I used to rent at the Blockbuster one tape that showed the exact three cartoons. One was a Captain, Amar- or a Captain America one, uh, which had his horrible, cheesy 1970s theme. Uh, then a Spider-Man one and a Spider-Woman one. And I used to just assume in my head that they were brother and sister, Spider-Man and Spider-Woman. But uh, they're not. I know that now, so don't come at me on friggin' di- different social media platforms. Either way, Jessica Drew's a great character. We also will be getting Silk, a, a newer character within this. And, um, yeah, it, it just seems really awesome. I can't wait to find out what – it seems to me, I, and I don't know this, but they match their vocal cast by people – that could actually inhabit those characters in real life. I mean, if you look at any of them, even, even uh, Mahershala Ali as Prowler, or, you know, how Chris Pine was the cool Spider-Man, and I forgot what his name is, um, but the guy from uh, New Girl was kind of like the, the, the frumpy Spider-Man, if you will. Um, they had great actors playing each person, even Nicolas Cage with Spider-Man Noir, you know. So I think that they're going to try to match that up, too, so I'm very excited about the cast. I will personally say that I hope 
that uh, Julia Carpenter is involved in this. She's one of my favorites. She's the uh, she's Spider Woman from uh, West Coast Avengers. Uh, she had like the Venom costume. I don't care if they do it like off her universe where she has a Sydney for some reason. I don't think that's ever been with the characters. But if you got uh, you know change it up, she's also a part of Alpha Flight at one point in time. So she'd be cool uh, to add in. And then Mayday P- Parker, uh, which is Spider Girl. She's Peter Parker's daughter. Uh, you know, from an alternate universe, that'd be another one. Which this this is what's great about these movies is that it it there's limitless potential. If if this is good, it makes a bunch of money. They're going to be really well thought out, Lord and Miller esque stories that work well and establish this multiverse and show you all the different Spider characters. Uh, very excited about all this news. Um, you know, hearing all this, are you excited about the spinoff after we saw the movie, Nick? Yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, I think it's the natural way to go. I think um, the character of Spider-Gwen uh, was terrific throughout the movie, one of the highlights of the movie, one of the many highlights of the movie, I should say. And, like, yeah, I would love to see, like, a Spider-Women um, spinoff uh, slash sequel, what have you, um, involved uh, and, and take place in this universe. I mean, it would be really cool to see. Silk is one of my, like, kind of, I, I'm, I won't say favorite, but I just think, like, her character is fucking really cool. Um, so I would love to see them explore that. Um, I just think it's so cool that, like, this, to me, like, I, I get what Sony's doing with its live-action um sort of um universe uh sonyverse um but this is like the 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 bread and butter of like the, what their approach should be um like the the fact that they chose to make Miles Morales the main character of their first project and seemingly Spider-Gwen's going to be their their main character of the next project um apparently you know Miles will have um some involvement in the project and um, you know, they, they sort of alluded to, um, like, a relationship between those two characters, um, and, and they may expound upon that um, in future movies uh, is, is smart, in my opinion. Um, but they're kind of stepping back from the Peter Parker character and exploring other characters. And, you know, <clears throat> another thing that I think is really interesting is, obviously, with the post credit scene, of, of getting the introduction to Miguel O'Hara, a.k.a. Spider-Man 2099, um, like, that's another thing that you can incorporate into this movie, um, like, that would be really cool. Oscar Isaac, great actor, awesome, like, to, to like, get somebody like that to make a cameo appearance as um, Miguel O'Hara. I would have to think they're going to use him going forward in some capacity, um, maybe not in this sequel, but here's the other thing. Like, you don't necessarily have to make – they can make two movies at one time. Like, they can literally make a Spider-Woman movie and make a my, more Miles Morales-centric Spider-Man movie um, and and have that tie-in Miguel O'Hara, um, you know, using time travel – or interdimensional travel, or what have you, um, to come back in time to work alongside Miles Morales and still have Silk uh, 
Jessica Drew and and uh, Spider Gwen working alongside each other in a different movie. You're you are literally setting yourself up because you hit it out of the park, having um, established five, six, seven different Spider characters. There is endless amount of possibility involved in this, and yeah, dude, it's awesome. I I can't wait to see what they do with this, and I don't think they should limit themselves to doing just a sequel. I think a sequel in two different directions from the success of this movie makes a lot of sense. I would love to see um, Miles work with Miguel O'Hara and the Spider Women to all team up in very in different movies with some some minor overlap between those characters given what the script calls for. Um, but, yeah, they, they have literally set themselves up for a gold mine uh, with uh, this first movie because it is so good. Um, and as long as they can continue that, uh, they've, they, they've got un, unlimited possibility at their fingertips. Well, that was amazing speculating what you just said about uh, McGill O'Hara. So I'm just going to like, so we can go more into it, I can actually talk about it, just give you guys a little bit of a spoiler warning for the next two minutes because uh, Nick had some um, things right dead on the head. So uh, here you go, spoiler warning. Um, So the the post-credits scene that we missed, Nick, was actually uh, Oscar Isaac as McGill O'Hara and his lair talking to his assistant. Uh, oh, you did know about it. I thought you were just, like, putting it out there. Um, no, 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 I knew well, about either it. Or. Okay, either or. Well, I'm glad that I did that anyways. <laughs> then, um, uh, well, I mean, uh, either or. Uh, I don't feel like that's that much of a spoiler, but mm, go ahead, yeah. Well, usually, you know, you don't reveal the after credit scene the weekend the movie came out. That's all, uh, you know, I'm trying to say. But, yeah, uh, either we, way. Did, we did see that super early. I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Perks of being a uh, one of the one of the, one of the geek vibes five. <laughs> but either way, you know the the the, the concept that we will uh, apparently in the report get this spinoff with the ladies, kind of establishing their own, and then another adventure with Miles. And what I am hoping is, yeah, Oscar Isaac's McGill O'Hara. Um, if they wanted, to, they they could do it two ways. They could go by the uh, the, the shattered dimensions route which was a video game in which they had uh, Miles, you know, um, it was Miles, Miguel, Peter, and um, Spider-Man Noir in there and have those ones specifically for it. I would prefer, let's do 2099, go help him, and then somehow it becomes, you know, maybe him, Andrew Garfield, uh, Tom Holland is like maybe like something towards the end, or uh, Tobey Maguire. If you involve those characters, give us more of an ending to the, uh, you know, their their universes. Give us like a little bit more from them. That would be an awesome interaction. People would love that. And you could do it in an animated where it's not so expensive, and you know, you get to establish a lot. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe something like that happens with the sequel. Even if it's just Tom Holland playing Peter, a younger Peter, that's actually. Uh, Shamik Moore's Miles Morales' age, along with Spider-Man 2099, and say, yeah, maybe they bring back Nicolas Cage or do another character. I think that would be awesome. Uh, Maybe even Tom Hardy's Venom, you know, if they wanted to, that they can really kind of explore. They have limitless potential within this. So 
Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the ladies one. Me I'm too. excited about this. And if anyone hasn't seen it, it's probably the best Spider-Man movie I've seen. Honestly. Um, I like the story, I think, even more than Homecoming. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy for that. Tough, but but I- You're not wrong. Like, I mean, one one can have their opinion, but nobody can say, like, you're so wrong. Like, no. Like, it it is one of the best put-together Spider-Man movies ever. Um, and that's saying a lot. I think the biggest detriment to it being considered the best Spider-Man movie is the fact that it is an animated movie. Um, but if you, like, yeah. compartmentalize that and put that aside, it's story, it's dialogue, um, the, the way that they shot it, um, and, and by, by shot it, the way, like, all of the scenes play out um, in this animated universe, and then just the way that, they, that the animation is all tied together. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I still can't qualify whether I think it's better than Homecoming, but it's easily my second favorite Spider-Man movie of all time, if not my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. So, yeah, like, if you haven't seen this movie, go see it, because it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and um, also, guys, on the, you know, if you check Blog Talk, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever way that you listen to us, check out an interview I had with uh, James Ward. He's the uh, head animator on this project. We got to talk about a little bit of stuff. Uh, A lot of fun, especially talking to... One of the things I think that really change this movie um, more so than anything else. I think I said last week is it's amazing animation. So check yeah. the interview guys want. It's definitely up there. Uh, let's move on to the next subject. All right. What do we got? Um, so basically this is kind of just a confirmation. Scott Derrickson is returning for the Dr. Strange sequel. I'm excited about this. I to explore more within the realms of what he was already doing in the previous movie, but even, like, maybe he can take it a little bit less funny. Like, approach it more just about not being a Marvel movie, but being a Doctor Strange film, because I know that as a director, he's got it. Um, but either way, uh, what do you think, Kanan, about Doctor Strange, um, or Dr. Der- Scott Derrickson returning for Doctor Strange? Um, well, I mean, I like to see that the directors are coming back, you know, that they're, you know, they're kind of sticking with the continuity of that. I mean, they haven't been able to do that with all the movies so far, um, in the cinematic universe, but I mean, this is, um, this is good for, uh, him to be able to build on the first one. Um, actually, Dr. Strange was one of the first, um, uh, MCU movies I did not see in the movie theater. Um, I think I actually saw it about a year after it came out. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it visually was one of the better uh, Marvel movies. Um, I thought that um, it uh, set up a Cumberbatch really well as far as being Doctor Strange. It made me really enjoy his uh, uh, on-screen time in Infinity War. And, um, you know, they brought Peyton Reed back for Ant-Man. And I thought the second one was a lot better than the first. Um, it really flowed. Yeah, I, I, I liked the second Ant Man better than the first one. I thought it oh flowed my better. God, that is blasphemy. Um, <laughs> it's not blasphemy. Not but uh but I, I do think that blasphemy. Uh, <laughs> No, the second Ant Man is, is great. It's a lot better than the first one in my opinion. No but, uh, way Okay. We're agree to disagree. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, Kaden. <laughs> All right. But uh no, I mean like I said, it's it's good to have 
um, you know, directors come back and, um, you know, kind of stick with it. Because with the Iron Man movies, you know, you have uh, Favreau for um, the first and second. And then the third had Shane Black. And I didn't really like the third one. I just – it did not feel like the first two. And I know a lot of people don't like the second one and the third one. Um, or they kind of flop. They like the third but not the second. Um, I, like I, I thought there was – I, I thought that there were some really, uh, you know, redeeming qualities for the second one. I, I, I thought it was, you know, well done. Um, it brought Black Widow in. Um, mm-hmm. But so uh, – Did Nick Fury a bigger part? That, yes, yes. Um, and it had um, – and as far as, like, you know, with the Russos, you know, we saw what they've been able to do um, with their films. Winter Soldier, in my opinion, is still the best. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Um, yep. Then they did. Uh, I know they did Civil War. I I really didn't care for it as much as Winter Soldier. Um, I think they were kind of getting their uh, feet wet as far as dealing with a, a large ensemble cast, and then they nailed it mm-hmm. with Infinity War. And I think mm-hmm. they're really going to nail it with um, uh, Endgame. So yep. uh, I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to definitely see. Um, more directors um, stick within the universe. I would have liked to see um, uh, Branagh come back and do Thor 2. I, I, I don't know what their issue was with not being able to get him back, but I really liked his take on Thor, um, you know, as far as he had the more Shakespearean kind of uh, Norse-type Thor. But I liked uh, Taika Waititi's, um, you know, Thor Ragnarok, so I'd like to see Taika come back and do, um, you know, to do another Thor movie. Um, and if they can lock down the directors um, going forward, then I think they're going to have, um, you know, a strong, uh, you know, universe going forward. Unfortunately, we know what happened with James Gunn. Uh, you know, Marvel's loss is DC's win. Uh, hopefully, if, if he's able to pull off Suicide Squad 2. Uh, but um, whoever they get to, to, to take on Guardians 3, I hope they bring some of the same uh, charisma that they had with the, the first two. But, uh, no, this is – I mean, this is good, I mean, especially for Doctor Strange fans. Um, I don't really know that you would have went and got anybody else. I think Derrickson wanted to come back, and um, I, I'm I'm excited to see where they where they go from here with that film. I agree. I think he'll be really good and be able to expand more with the second one. Uh, Nick, what do you think? No, I mean, I agree. Most of the canon, aside from him asserting that Ant-Man 2 is better than Ant-Man 1, like, Ant-Man 1 is like one of the best MCU movies out there, uh, and Ant-Man 2 is all right. Like, it's good. Um, it hits Nick, all the beats. Nick, um, Nick I, I know that you love Ant-Man. I think the second one's better than the first one. I don't think either film is that great. I think a lot of people think that way, too. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dang. When's the last time you saw the first Ant-Man? Uh, back when it came out, I watched it twice. There you go. Go watch it again. Like let that, like let it resonate. Because that movie, that movie gets so much better upon repeat viewing. Um, and granted, I've only seen Ant Man two once. Uh, like I watched it recently. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it hit all the beats it needed to hit. Um, I thought it was good setup for um, for uh, uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, it's, it's just not as good as the first one. Uh, the first one is amazing. It is so good. Uh, it, it's it's probably still in my top five favorite. Like I honestly, I still think like 
as far as like enjoyability, not as far as how good the how good I think it is, but as far as like enjoyability watching it, um, yeah, it's probably still in my top five. Like it's so good. Um, to just in my personal opinion, like I I love that movie. Um, and I'll I'll die on that hill, and I'll be the only one of of Geek Vibes Nation who dies on that hill, and that's fine. Like it's no big deal. Um, but uh, but nevertheless. Uh, ultimately, though, no, I I agree with Kane. I think that um, you know you you need to have some sort of continuity um, in your universe, and obviously Kevin Feige is the ultimate continuity um, in this universe. But like, if you can keep your directors, that ultimately helps your cause um, and 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 serves as good um, a good like press like to, to try and draw in other directors I think in my opinion um, and also like um, to, to try and like if you have a good working relationship with somebody keep them around and keep that like working relationship going if you work together well in the first film which Doctor Strange albeit like somewhat of a you know or as far as the origin story aspect of the movie kind of a play-by-play reboot of, of Iron Man. Um, like, the, ultimately, the story is, is different, and it very much takes a different turn at the end. Um, and, and the ending of Doctor Strange was by far one of my favorite endings of any Marvel movie because it was so different. Um, like, I loved the whole Dormammu, I've come to bargain thing. Um, like, I thought it was so unique and so different and so cool. Um, and then, you know, for... Um, uh, um, Edgeoforce character to uh, you know take such umbrage at 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 yeah like at at uh, Doctor Strange for for doing what he did and walking off. I thought it set up so much good things. And then of course you know when when he shows up in that post credit scene and is like, "Yo, Benjamin Bratt." You ain't gonna be making the sequel now, motherfucker. Like, yes, like it was, it was, it, it was a great setup for where things might go. Um, and you know, the fact that you're keeping that director, he's got familiar familiarity with the actors. Um, it's it's a smart play. It's a very smart play. Um, and like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and keep going forward. And I like I like what they're you know, doing with that decision. Absolutely. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And before we move on to DC news, that actually brings up a good, uh, you know, tie in to our other sponsor. So to be able to talk about that, I am probably going to regret passing it to Sir Patrick and Sir Michael Ian Kane. Take it away guys for our next sponsor. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color. BlueChew.com brings the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Michael, tell them more about it. You can take them any time, day or night, even on full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you understand what I'm saying, I'm talking about the thing in my pants. It was, it was a wonderful experience. I was with about three different females. I took one of these, and then I was popping in about 20 minutes. We went back to the bar. We had a great time. 
Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. <laughs> They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prefers to ship directly, they're cheaper than any pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special dipper for these listeners out here, a deal from the century. Listen to Blue Chew, visit bluechew.com, and get your first shipment free when you use a special promo code, GVN. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code GVN to try it for free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring a podcast. Back to you, Jane. Thanks, guys. Why do I do this to myself? Bravo. Bravo. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, let's get on to DC news, guys. So, so uh, I think, like, the main big thing with DC is the fact that we find out, once again, uh, some updates on Matt Reeves um, with his uh, Batman script. And apparently, yeah. he has another deadline, and it's at the end of the year. So I'm going to pass this to Kanan because for some reason I feel like he probably has a little bit more information about the subject. Kanan, take it away. Probably. Uh, yes, that is, Maybe that not. is correct. It, <laughs> uh, apparently, Umberto from Heroic Hollywood is getting all of the details when it comes to Matt Reeves uh, and the Batman script, because he turned it in. Right. Uh, it was either before Labor Day uh, or right after Labor Day, uh, in September, and then he will turn in the second uh, draft. Um, I guess he, they rewrote it, um, and he'll turn it in by the end of the year, which, I mean, that's pretty quick. I mean, some people, when they have to rewrite stuff, uh, it can take, you know, several months to even a year. Um, so, you know, it's been, what, September to December is, what, four months? I mean, that's really not that long, I mean, for him to be able to turn it in. So apparently it was just maybe – uh, very minimal rewrites. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're really taking their time with Batman. And I guess in a lot of ways, you know, that's fine because it's opening the door for other characters. Um, I, You know, it's already kind of been established that Matt Reeves wants to go with someone else as Batman. So this isn't them waiting and seeing, you know, what uh, Ben is going to do. Uh, I think they look at Batman as, their strongest property, uh, which in sure. the next couple of weeks, well, which in the next couple of weeks that may belong to Aquaman, uh, <laughs> as far as as far as the uh, box office is going, uh, and that's not overhyping, that's legit. Um, but you know, they know that Batman is a strong character, um, and that they you know they want to do it right. And Matt Reeves kind of is just that type of director. He's not just going to put something together and put it out there. If you've seen any of his Apes movies, all three of them are okay. terrific movies. I cannot well, find really any them. flaws. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did do two. Well, all three movies are really good, even though he wasn't part of one of them. But uh, he did the, the last best two. two. Are way better yeah. than the first one. Yeah. The first one had, uh, um, you James, know, kind of uh, was setting up everything. Franco. It had yeah. James Franco. That I love that movie. So, uh, anyways, uh, but Reeves, you know, I I, I applaud Reeves for kind of you know sticking 
to his guns and, and not really rushing to do anything. And uh, I just want the best possible movie um, that he can make. And if that takes time, then that's fine because we have a decent DC slate coming out um, with, uh, you know, a lot of people still haven't seen Aquaman. You still have that to look forward to. We have Shazam in March. Uh, we have the Elseworld Joker movie coming out next year as well. Then you got Wonder Woman 84. We still got Birds of Prey. I mean, there's still a lot to look forward to. We've had a lot of Batman um, in the last 15 years um, with Nolan's films and with, uh, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman. I think it's okay to let other people come to the forefront and, and kind of have the stage for a little bit um, until Reeves can get his script done. Um, I'm just hoping that we're not going to get a report at the first of the year that Matt Reeves has stepped down as director because everybody's going to lose their shit. Yeah. And on behalf of well, Juwan, there's never enough Batman. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, Lord. Anyways, um, <laughs> no, I, you're probably right. And I, I think that it's very easy to go in a negative direction with the train of thought of why things aren't happening. You know, the fact that we hear over and over again, hey, he's got an extension until this. Hey, he's got an extension until then. Hey, he's got this. He's got this. He's got to turn in another draft. But the way that you said it, you know, he basically got stuck back from his script. He was told to change this or, or incorporate this or whatever, and now he's about to do to do it again, essentially. I just – the notion of, yeah, we've had a lot of Batman, but I still don't think that you can really skip out on your biggest players when you're establishing your DC world because you – you know, as a company got involved too much with a product when you're trying to make lots of money and ended up inevitably screwing it up. Uh, that to me kind of still is an aggravating concept with DC, but I don't, I think that with Matt Reeves behind this, I think it's a good thing. I think that we're going to get a very, you know, kind of, we're going to get a, something on the same concept as a Nolan Batman series. We're going to get something very, very grounded and good. And I'm not worried anymore if it's connected to anything. I just want them to start something and give us some type of word. But you're right. If they, if we find out Matt Reeves, all right, he didn't, he didn't make his deadline. Now he's kicked off or whatever. People are going to go fucking crazy. Then mm-hmm. maybe Ben Affleck only come and save the day, Nick, and you know direct <laughs> and play Batman in the movie that Jawan and let's let's face it, all of us really want, but still, never gonna happen. What do you think? No, man, fuck. It's crazy. Again, I agree with Kanan. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I say that kind of disappointingly because we always disagree, um, and I would expect us to disagree more um, on any given show. But I've said this from the beginning. I don't think they should rush his script. I said that six months ago when um, essentially a lot of brouhaha was being thrown around about him not having a script ready, not him not turning in a script yet. Um, and it might have been more than six months ago, but nevertheless, whenever it was ago, you know, I said, be patient. Like, would you rather get a really good Batman movie or would you rather get a rush Batman movie? I'd rather get a really good Batman movie. Um, so if it takes him time to put together the right script, fine. Give him the time. He is like he has the credentials um, that should merit giving him um, any amount of time that he needs, within reason, to you know put together a script uh, and 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 go with it. And 
I I still hold to that. I think that he's going to make an awesome Batman movie, regardless of whether Affleck is involved or somebody else or what have you. Um, and essentially, the, the the fact that they've announced this kind of death line or whatever, um, I, if he doesn't get it done by then, the deadline will be extended. It's no big deal. Um, but obviously, what it says to me is that despite um, despite Warner Brothers, you know, essentially the, like them not putting any sort of focus on Superman, they still have a focus on Batman, um, which obviously we all think they should have more of a focus on Superman and regard that character um, in in the same way that we all do and, and that generally the universe does. Um, and, and respect that character the same way that we all do. But, you know, they don't, and it's whatever. So, given that, at least they seem to regard the Batman as a character that they really want to see get made. They they want to see this movie, um, and that that's what it all says to me. And, and again, I'm, I'm choosing to look at it from an optimistic perspective, um, but that's that's how I see it. I, I, I think he should be given all the time he needs to make the perfect script, and the fact that the company wants to get that script as soon as possible only means that they really want Batman to be a part of this universe, and that's good. Um, now, if they only have the same passion for Superman, uh, we'd be, you know, all the more able to benefit from that uh, because they should. Um, but they don't, which is unfortunate, but at least Batman is a, is a focus uh, on their behalf. No, I think that all of us can definitely agree with that. Um, and right now we'll just have to play the waiting game to find out. I just know that I'm hoping – one one thing that I'm a bit nervous about is that even if they're like, Matt, this doesn't have to, to coincide with this overall universe – do your own thing. I just hope he doesn't drastically try to change it. I still want a Batman similar to what we've got in the comics because I think that we've gotten cinematic adaptations of Batman several times over. I want something a little bit more towards the source material in the way of being a brilliant detective, which he said that he wants to incorporate. I think that Matt knows what he's doing, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just wish that they would let Chris McCary make a fucking Superman film. And then we can go from there. But, uh, you know, I don't make those decisions. Kanan, did you have anything else to say about this before we move on, good sir? I guess it's no. <laughs> no, I mean, I, like I said, I, just, I agree with, you know, with what, every, what everybody said um, as far as uh, taking their time. You know, WB and uh, DC has got a lot of other stuff, like I said, to look forward to. Um, and, you know, can't stress enough, guys. Um, when you get a chance to see it, I know Nick's going to see it Tuesday. Um, hopefully he feels the same way I do. Uh, but Aquaman is uh, is going to hold his own, and I think he's going to be someone uh, that can be somebody DC can look forward to down the road. Uh, Batman's always going to be the guy um, for a lot of people, um, you know, and with Superman kind of being on the back burner right now, uh, we need other uh, characters to step up, and uh, Aquaman really does that. Um, 
And I can't wait for you to see it, Dane, and everybody else, because I'm telling you, it's um, DC's, you know, I think they're really uh, going in the right du- direction. And I'm just glad that we're getting other characters. You know, it's kind of building on, on that world. Well, Kane, since you did get to see it, obviously you can't disclose any spoilers, but you're basically giving a positive first impression or review. Can you give like a little bit more? How much did you like this film? For the people that are wondering, you know, if it's going to be able to take things in a new direction, do you strongly think that that's the case, that we can go, all right, Justice League was a little bit of a wash, let's pretend Wonder Woman, now this, continue with Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, and go forward, or... In your opinion, do you think that there are still obstacles in the sight of this DC shared universe, if you will? I think you're going to have people that are really devoted to the tone of the Zack Snyder films um, that are going to maybe go into Aquaman and walk out thinking that this movie, you know, is, you know, way different. It's more of a Marvel film. And I didn't get that. Um I think that what we see from one movie to the next isn't going to be the same because I really expect a darker type tone um, for Birds of Prey. Uh, But, yes, I've seen Aquaman twice. Uh, The first time I saw it, um, I walked out with a lot of feelings, um, and I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, But I did pay a lot of attention to, um, you know, the visual effects, the pacing of the movie and stuff like that. Then I went and watched it again last night, and since I had already knew what to expect, I was able to kind of enjoy the movie a lot more, and I came out loving it more the second time than I did the first time. Um, it's um, Visually, it really is a great film. Uh, James Wan did it's, – it's almost – the film is very ambitious, and there is a lot of stuff in this movie that when you first watch it, you may feel like, man, this movie's really long. Um, but when you do see it again, you know, it does flow a lot better. Um, the characters in it are great. Jason Momoa is awesome. Him and Amber Heard really hold that movie together. Um, you, I mean, it's very, it's probably one of the best comic booky type movies I've seen in a long time. Um it's just it's so trippy and and just you know all over the place at times, but it really works. Um, it's an adventure film. Um, it's got a lot of emotion and heart. Uh, you know, Nicole Kidman is is great in it in the time that she's there. Um, I mean, it's just you know if you sit back and just think about it, it's like you you know I just get more excited about it. Um, I don't know that I'll ever put it at number one because I still think Man of Steel is the best DC movie, um, and that's just because I'm a huge Superman fan. But Aquaman is really good. I mean, I'm I'm not going to spoil it because I want everybody to see it, but the trailers have not spoiled anything. Uh, you think you've seen the money shot. You've not seen the money shot. I told that in my review. When you see the money shot on screen, you <laughs> will know. And, uh, you know, at the screen last – I'm telling you, women <laughs> – Women love Momoa. When he showed up for the first time in the movie, the women in the audience last night were oohing and on. It got an applause just like it did the first time. Um, you know, it, it's – I mean, it's a really good movie. I'm just hoping everybody um, goes in um, and, and enjoys it. So far, the word of mouth has been great. It's killing at the box office overseas. 
Um, so hopefully it has a strong opening here in North America. But it really could be the first movie DC's put out since The Dark Knight to uh, you know to reach a billion dollars, and that's not even exaggerating. I mean, it, it, I think it really has um, the potential to do that um, or, or get really close. And that's why I say Momoa has really branded himself as this charismatic guy. And, yeah, he does play the character pretty much like himself, and that's fine because Momoa is, just seems like a great dude um, in real life. He's just having a blast while he's, um, you know, in the movie. Him and uh, Amber Heard really have some good chemistry in the film. Um, I think you'll enjoy the villains. I'm not saying they're the best villains, uh, but I think you'll enjoy them. Um, and I think you'll just come out like, hey, man, this was a fun time at the movies. And I think that's all we really want is just to go in and, and have a fun time. Hell, yeah. That sounds good. That sounds really good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. It was a good sell, Kanan. I think you could sell like a condom to the Pope now from hearing that sell for the movie. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, no, I am very much looking forward to Aquaman. <laughs> it's a couple days, and I'll be able to see it. Uh, Nick, you're real soon, so definitely have to let yeah. me know more about it. Guys, let's, let's go more, about, more back into uh, Batman in that realm. Uh, we have some cool words by Army Hammer, who was talking in an interview with Slash Film about his approach to how he was going to play Batman in George Miller's Justice League Mortal. Now, this essentially doesn't mean that he's trying to promote saying that he wants to play the Matt Batman and Matt Reeves, but I think a lot of people have looked at that as an option beforehand. Personally, to me, if we're not going to have Henry Cavill anymore, if the next person I could really think of to be able to play Superman because of his size would be Army Hammer, but... Who knows, you know, the whole Batman thing, he was going to take that, um, you know, character and run with it. He said in an interview, I wanted this Batman character to be so dark. I was like, look, no one, and, and this was George's idea as well. This was really in the script, but no one ever really shows how truly psychotic this man has to be. Like, this is a guy who chooses to put on a costume in all black and sneak around at night and beat the shit out of people. And then Harmer went on to talk about his portrayal of Bruce Wayne saying, so even in times when he would be sitting around, like let's say he had his bat suit off and all that, he would be sitting down with the thing, looking at the thing with the cowl on, because that's where he felt most comfortable in his own weird, twisted way. He was a neurotic, like borderline schizophrenic dude who didn't just single – who didn't trust a single person, including anyone in the Justice League or the Robins, and had all the dirt on every single one of them and was ready to take all of them down at the snap of a finger, very reminiscent of one of my favorite Justice League stories, Tower of Babel, in which Rajel Ghul obtains plans that Bruce had made if any of basically the Justice League members went AWOL and he had to take them down. Um, but a very, very, cool, very, very good, I think, and cool perspective to have on Batman. We've seen Christian get pretty dark. We've seen Tim Burton, Michael Keaton's character get pretty dark. But the two things that people say, or maybe even three things that people always comment on seeing in a Batman, outside of martial arts, I guess, but detective skills, his brilliant mind, and also his psychosis. Um, Pertaining to possibly seeing him play Batman or just in general, what did you think about the statements from Army Hammer of how him and George Miller wanted to play Batman, Nick? 
Well, first of all, as it pertains to his statements, I think it's amazing. Like, that is exactly, like, hearing that is, like, the exact representation of the Batman that I want. Um, like, I feel like Snyder delivered a very good interpretation of Batman, um, like this this veteran, um, beaten down, uh, you know, a paranoid version of Batman um, that, you know, that ultimately, like, I could get behind. Um, you know, the, I obviously have a lot of um, complaints with a lot of the other things that he did, but his version of Batman I, I, I really like. Um, and I never, the, the whole notion of, like, Batman's killing people, Batman doesn't kill people, like, this one iteration of Batman, um, it, it's very popular nowadays, um, but, like, you go back and you watch, like, Michael Keaton's Batman, he kills people. You go back and you look at various forms of the comics, he kills people in various forms of the comics. Um, like, and especially given that this is a a sort of um, uh, version of Batman that, you know, is is older and, and, and maybe more um, disillusioned, uh, it would make sense that he would be like, I'm not... I'm not going to try to fucking burn myself and worry myself about not killing every single goon. Um, like, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Um, but uh, the the version that we've been discussing, or that you, you brought forth via uh, Arnie Hammer and George Miller, it's, that is, like, the, the, the psychology behind Batman deciding to put on the mask. Um, that's something that has not really been explored in Batman, even Christopher Nolan's Batman didn't really explore it. Um, it touched on it, but it didn't really explore it. Um, and I think that is so interesting, and I would love to see that. And I honestly, I hope that um, that Matt Reeves' uh, Batman movie kind of addresses that because, hey, it's something we have not seen, which is you know, you given any sort of representation of a character that's been shown through various uh, movies, TV shows, cartoons, etc., comics, um, you, you really want to focus on something that you have not seen in your respective medium. Um, and in movies, we have not seen that sort of uh, portrayal. Um, so I would love to see that on film. I can't wait to see uh, like Army Hammer portray it in this, in this version. Um, and I don't know, I just think it'll be really, really cool, and I very much look forward to it. Well, I should mention that Army Hammer's version of Batman was in George Miller's Justice League Mortal. That didn't happen. That was supposed to come out, oh, I think, yeah, in 2007. Yeah. So, right, right, unfortunately, okay. won't do it. But potentially, you know, Army Hammer has been a person that's been said many a times, hey, why doesn't he just play the younger version, you know? even to the extent of people saying, you know, you could have him be the younger version of Ben Affleck. I don't think they're going down that route, but, you know, this has been tied to the character a lot, and he was supposed to play him a very, very long time ago. I wish for Matt Reeves' Batman we could just build our perfect Batman, you know, like someone that, that can embody Michael Keaton's Batman, his actual, when he's actually Batman, but can, you know, have Christian Bale's um, – Bruce Wayne qualities and maybe, you know, Kevin Conroy's 
amazing uh, detective skills in his voice, and then you get like Ben Affleck's martial art abilities at the NBVS. Put them all you know into one person and just make them go forward. What's that, Nick? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers needs to be like yo. We really need like somebody to headline this Mortal Kombat movie that we can't ever seem to get off the ground. Army Hammer. Will you be Johnny Cage, and then we'll make you Batman? Like, is that a fair trade-off? I think it is, because I would love to see him as both characters. Um, and, you know, uh, <laughs> he'd be a fucking awesome Johnny Cage. And, um, you know, he'd be an awesome Batman to boot. Oh, I don't think he would be crying about that that idea. Hey, do you mind playing both these great characters in these franchises? Uh, I, I would assume that he would be fucking real down for that shit. Uh, yeah, either way, Kanan, so I don't forget you like a Spider-Woman thing. Um, what, before I do that, what, what do you think about these remarks from Army Hammer about the Batman? I mean, I think he was going to play him pretty much, um, how a lot of people see Batman, you know, in the comics. I mean, he's a, he's a very dark character. I mean, he is brilliant. Um, but he's, he just has to go to a very dark place, um, in order to be who he is. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of people could take that, um, you know, one of two ways as far as being psychotic. I mean, usually when you think psychotic, you know, you think, you know, killing and, and just brutal and, and, and stuff like that, which, I mean, he, he could have been. Um, but I think Batman through most of the movies has kind of been, you know, portrayed that way. I mean, other than George Clooney's Batman. Um, but, you know, like you said, with Tim Burton's Batman, he – he kind of had to go to a dark place, and he wasn't beyond killing uh, or beating the crap out of people. Um, you know, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess in some degree, maybe Bale's Batman w- was like that. He wasn't so much, um, but you, but you did see um, kind of a desperate, um, weary Batman um, with Ben Affleck, and he did go there. You know, and they and they said that um, he had changed. That you know, certain events had made him the way he was. Um, I just don't think that focus loved, the psychology aspect is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would have loved to see Army Hammer's take on on Batman. Um, I, the rest of the cast, uh, you know, I wasn't really sold on, uh, but I would still love to see Army Hammer in the DC universe. Um, you know, as any character. I mean, even if he did come in and play Batman, I mean, I would love to. I would love to see it. Um, you know, like I said, it's just some people are, you know they have their different opinions on Batman and people are always going to be divided on how he should be played. Um, but, uh, I know that, you know, some people have not responded well to, you know, hammers comments about, you know, that Batman, you know, saying that, but, uh, I mean, I, I would, you know, really would have liked to have seen that. And it just shows that DC isn't, um, beyond letting people play Batman in that way. Uh, they're not about that one rule of him not, you know, being, you know, not having to kill and stuff like that. I mean, I think they just want the best performance, and that's what we're going to get. So, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see it, but uh, you know, maybe down the road we will. Absolutely, it's very interesting uh, just talking about it. All right, so real quick before we move on to our last um, news story, I give you Army Hammer and three characters that he can play, and you can only pick one. For DC, Batman, Superman, or Green Lantern. I'm going to go personally with Superman if we don't get Henry Cavill coming back, of course. Uh, Nick, who do you pick? 
Fuck, that's really tough. I mean, obviously Green Lantern, if you keep both Affleck and uh, Cavill, because that's the one character that you kind of have to cast. If if all characters are available, though, um, shit, I'm, I'd probably go Batman just because I think he could really, like, he sounds like he's really involved and in, in, would love to play Batman. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd eh. but then again, I'd love John Hamm as Batman, so I don't, man, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, Superman, he'd make a great Superman because he's, he, he has that look. He's got that, like, um, that, that perfect, like, jawline and everything else for, like, Superman. So, yeah, maybe Superman would be the way to go. I, I don't think you're losing on any number of those picks, though. Yeah, I I agree with you. And you just that John Hamm man, he makes you think about Batman a lot. I, I definitely still love that idea. Kanan, who would you choose if all characters were available for him to play? Uh, I think he has the stature and the build to play Superman. Um, but I would see him. Um, I would rather see him more as Green Lantern. Uh, I yeah. think he would just fit that role uh, a, a lot better. Um, I mean, he, he he would be a tall Green Lantern because uh, Army Hammer's uh, pretty tall. I think he's what six, six four four. Yeah, yeah, he's probably about the oh, same height, as, close to the same height as Affleck. So yeah, he he he's really tall. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has the build, like I said, to be Superman. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, Green Lantern for sure. I agree. All right, guys, the last uh, set of news is we got two more cast members for the Mandalorian. And, I mean, if you weren't already excited about the movie, uh, we now have Carl Weathers, a.k.a. Apollo Creed, almost an Apollo Cruz, um, and Giancarlo <laughs> Esposito from Breaking Bad. You know, I was looking over the cast, incredible cast, Pedro Pascal, Werner Herzog, uh, G- uh, Gina Carino, not so much, but whatever, Nick Nolte. I mean, the thing about this that you can look over, what Werner Herzog, Carl Weathers, Nick Nolte, and Giancarlo Esposito. Is this a cast for The Mandalorian or for the next Grumpy Old Men sequel that we don't know is coming? But <laughs> in all seriousness, this is awesome. Great additions uh, for the cast. And I'm very happy to have both Giancarlo and Carl as a part of this because I like both of them as actors. Uh, Nick, what do you have to say about this? Dude, I love it. Carl Weathers is an amazing actor. Um, I will forever um, cherish his role in Predator, in the in, well, in Predator. Um, like, like his role in that movie is is so quintessential to the storyline of the movie, and he is amazing in it. Uh, and of course, Apollo Creed, like just like such a quintessential character. And now that we have Creed. Um, and, and Creed Two is coming out very soon. Like it, it carries on the importance of that character. Um, but like, dude, yeah, great actor. Um, like that's the one that I really like hone in on in this casting. Um, I I can't wait to see it, man. I really can't. Like the cast is just amazing for this. Um, I can't wait to see what they pull off. Again, I'm really hoping for like almost like a, a slightly darker. Uh, version of Firefly, um, given the, the fact that it takes place um, after the fall of the Empire on a a, a, a faraway 
planet away from any sort of republic control. So you're, 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 you're garnered by the, the planet's control. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it's setting itself up for the ability to tell such a great story, and I can't wait. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I said beforehand when we are talking about Daredevil, I think The Mandalorian has a chance to be something more than just a Star Wars show. It has the potential to be yeah. a great Western, you know, gangster, a great television show in general. Kanan, these yeah. added names, are you excited about this even more so than you were beforehand? Uh, yeah, I mean, it just adds a veteran presence to the show. Um, Pedro Pascal is a great actor. Um, but it's always good to have, um, you know, some veteran presence. Uh, Carl Weathers uh, doesn't get much more veteran than that. Um, Giancarlo uh, is also another uh, great, um, you know, experienced actor. So um, I think they're getting uh, the right pieces to come in and uh, kind of help shape this show. And uh, I trust Favreau to uh, make this the best possible show that it can be. Incredible cast. Uh, great story, open-ended, and also a great production team as as far as Favreau being in charge and all the directors they have lined up. Really looking forward to The Mandalorian. But, hey, that's another episode of Geek Vibes Live for you guys tonight at Sunday at 7, like we normally drop that thing. So I appreciate all of you guys listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. I want to let both men say goodnight to both of you. So say goodnight, Nick, and plug whatever you have to plug, you sexy man. Oh, you. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, ladies. Uh, no, um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, that's very creepy. Um, but, no, like I have uh, some some big news. I got a, a, our first um, Full Court Press article on the website coming out uh, probably tomorrow um, very soon. Um, so I'm very hyped about that. Uh, it's going to be, uh, five mock trades, uh, that, uh, you know, affect the NBA. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. And we will have, Joel and I will be hosting a show Monday, uh, for, uh, uh, Full Court Press. And we might ha- even have a second show, uh, this week between, uh, myself and Luke, uh, this upcoming Thursday. So stay tuned for that. Uh, really excited, and uh, trade season is upon us, so get hyped, everyone. Kanan, say goodbye to all good people out there. Plug whatever you have to plug, good sir. Sure. Uh, yes, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Also, check out uh, Tia's uh, new top ten uh, MCU films uh, with Ryan, Brittany, and Kevin. Uh, also, uh, stay posted to the website for sure for all the breaking news and articles coming out. Uh, big week for movies coming out. As I said, go see Aquaman. Go see Spider-Verse. Um, I've heard really good things about Bumblebee um, as well. Um, I haven't got a chance to see that. But sure, there's a lot of great uh, movies coming out. Uh, everybody have a good time out there. Merry Christmas, guys. Have a great evening, and thank you so much for listening. Also, check out Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Wednesday. But either way, you guys have a good one. Be back with us next week. Peace out, and let the Geek Fives be with you. Always.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.